Well, thank you very much, Dave, for the uh, welcome this morning. And indeed, thank you for the invitation to come and share with you in your morning service. Uh, my name is Peter Firth, and as David said, I am a lecturer at the Irish Baptist College, and I teach the New Testament there. Uh, prior to joining the college back in, I think, 2010, I was pastoring um, in churches, two churches in Scotland, and then two churches in Northern Ireland, and then was called into the uh, college. My wife this morning, Lindsay, is doing the uh, creche in the Windsor Baptist Church, otherwise she would be with me. And uh, we have uh, four children, one of whom you may know, my daughter Bethany Firth, who's the Paralympic swimmer. Well, it is lovely to be with you, and just to say on behalf of the college how much we appreciate over many years the way that you have supported the work of Irish Baptist College. We're, of course, up and running in our new academic year with a new complement of students, and I do want to say thank you uh, for remembering us, for supporting us, and for sending people to the college. A number from this congregation have gone through the training, and praise God, they're out there serving the Lord in different settings. But we do need to see more men and women coming forward uh, from our churches. And so I'd make a special appeal to the elders here to keep their eyes open and their ears open to God as well, praying that God will send uh, more workers uh, into the harvest field and that they might be trained at the Irish Baptist College. Well, you have invited me to speak from the Word of God, and I, I want to do that. Many of you will be familiar with this text that will come up in just a moment. Therefore, uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all uh, nations. These words, of course, are no doubt familiar to many, maybe familiar to all of you. They come at the end of Matthew's Gospel. They are part of what we commonly refer to as the Great Commission. Go and make disciples. But what is a Christian disciple? What's entailed in being a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, the passage that we're going to look at today gives us some insight into what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And the passage that we're going to look at is found in Luke's Gospel, uh, chapter 10, and beginning at verse 38. So Luke 10 and 38. We'll have it up on the screen there. Thank you very much. Reads as follows. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving, and she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. 
but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Tremendous passage of Scripture, and one that I'm sure many of you will be uh, familiar with. You'll find that this story is unique to Luke's gospel, and it speaks to us about a domestic scene. Jesus and his disciples are invited into a home which belongs to a woman by the name of Martha. And the story really revolves around the preparation of uh, the meal. The main characters of the story are, of course, Jesus, then Martha, and her sister uh, Mary. And we discover elsewhere in the New Testament from John 11 that these two sisters, along with their brother Lazarus, are very close friends of Jesus. He has a special relationship with these people. Now, to appreciate what's going on in this story, we need to see it in what's called the wider context. In other words, we need to think about where Luke has placed this story in his gospel account. And you'll discover this, that it comes at the beginning of a large section which begins in chapter 9 and runs all the way through into chapter 19. From 9 all the way through into 19. And Bible commentators like to call this section the travel narrative. The travel narrative. Why is that? Because it speaks about traveling. It speaks about Jesus traveling to Jerusalem, making his last journey to the city. And when, of course, he gets there, he will be betrayed, arrested, tried, crucified, but will rise again the third day. Jesus is traveling to Jerusalem. Others are traveling with him. That in itself is a picture of discipleship. And one of the themes that Luke uh, highlights in this entire section is the theme of Christian discipleship. He brings together a range of different stories and records different parts of Jesus' teaching which together communicate to us what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, what's entailed in following Jesus through life. So that's the wider context of the story. And bear that in mind when you look at the passage itself. We're thinking about discipleship this morning. Now, when you look at the five verses of the story, it's not a very long story, you'll agree with me in that, I'm sure. But we can sort of outline it in the following way, and the outline will come up on the screen there. In verses 38 and 39, uh, Luke sort of sets the scene for the story. Then you'll notice in verse 40, Martha complains to Jesus 
about her sister Mary. And then at the very end there, verses 41 and 42, we have Jesus' reply to Martha. So that's the outline of the story, but let's look at the details of it now for just a few moments and then extract from it some lessons for us today. So thinking about the setting of the story, and it will be helpful if you have a copy of the Bible in front of you just to keep it open and refer to it as we uh, go along. First of all, just thinking about this setting of the uh, story in these opening um, verses 38 and 39. We read the following, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. We're told that Jesus entered a village, but we're not told the name of the village. Now, many feel on the basis of what's recorded in John chapter 11 and verse 1, the village is the village of uh, Bethany, not very far away from Jerusalem. But Luke doesn't actually tell us the location because he's not so much interested in the location as what happened in that location. So don't get distracted with the geography. Look at what took place there. And Jesus, accompanied by his disciples, enters into a house. And you'll notice that the details here indicate that we're focusing here on Jesus and Martha, this woman Martha. Mary also is mentioned in the, the story, as we've already seen, but she's very much a silent figure in the story. What's highlighted here is the dialogue between Jesus and Martha. And the third little thing just to note about these opening verses is this, that whilst Jesus is in Martha's house, he takes the opportunity to teach. And surprisingly, Mary engages with that process. Because at the end of verse 39, where is Mary? Well, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus, who is teaching in the house. So that's the setting, according to Luke. And that then leads on to this complaint by Martha because of what Mary is doing. Look please again at verse 40. But Martha, notice the contrast, was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, that is to Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
So whilst Mary is concentrating on Jesus, Martha, meantime, is drawn away into the kitchen area and fussing around in that particular area within the house. The word that's used here of Martha is this, she's distracted. She's distracted. And it's an interesting word that Luke uses here to describe what's going on. This word distracted translates a word that means to be pulled away, pulled away. The implication is that Martha wanted to be near Jesus, but she's being pulled away all the time because of the preparations that need to be made for her guests. But the word not only conveys the idea of being pulled away, she was continually being pulled away, it also conveys the idea of being overburdened. She's harried by all that is taking place. So what does she do? Well, she decides to do the following. And we see this in the second half of verse 40. She goes up to Jesus and says to him, maybe at a point where there's a break in the teaching that he is giving, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. They're very interesting words, and we want to think about them for a moment. I want you to notice what is said first of all, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Question mark. This is what is called a rhetorical question. She's not really expecting an answer from Jesus. But the expected answer from Jesus is, yes, I do care. I do care that this is happening to you. So we might paraphrase it like this, Lord, I know that it matters to you that my sister is leaving me to do all of this serving. And that leads to the second part of what she says, and it's this, tell her then to help me. And really what that is, it's a demand. She's making a demand of the Lord Jesus. In other words, tell her Lord to stop what she's doing and to join me in getting things ready for the guests. And you can just imagine the tone of Martha's uh, voice at that particular time. Well, that leads us to the third part of the uh, story, which is Jesus' reply to Martha's complaint, verses 41 and 42. And these are really the critical words. But the Lord answered her, 
Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Now, we can say many things about this reply of Jesus, but I do want you to notice this, that she receives from Jesus a firm but affectionate rebuke. A firm but affectionate rebuke. Instead of acquiescing to her demand, Jesus uncovers Mary's emotional state. Gets her to think about what's going on and affirms the choice of her sister, Mary. Martha was not expecting this. Look again at those words. Notice how Jesus begins. Martha, Martha. It's not Martha you are anxious and troubled about many things. It's Martha, Martha. The repetition of the name is significant because it conveys amongst other things that Jesus feels for Martha in this situation. He feels for her. And very often when you get a name repeated in Scripture, it conveys the idea of strong emotion or deep affection. And then he reveals what's going on inside Martha. He's able to look beyond the external and see inside what's going on in her heart and in her mind. Now, many of you, I'm sure, will know this little verse that's in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34, and it says this, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Heard that one before? Heard that one before? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, words are a window into the heart. And as Jesus listens to Martha's words, you can see into her heart, she's revealing herself, her emotional state and her mental state as well. And notice how Luke speaks of it. Remember, Luke's a doctor, and he'd be very interested uh, not only in the physical state of a patient, but their emotional and mental state as well. And he says this, you are anxious and troubled about many things. Interesting. Anxious and troubled about many things. When you look at the words that Luke uses, and those words are then translated into our Bibles, the two words that he uses basically mean the same thing. 
But Jesus uses two words and not one. Because together these two words stress, emphasize Martha's emotional state. And they serve to communicate this idea of heightened stress. You're stressed out, Martha, by what's going on. I know that. I know that. So, uh, Jesus communicates his affection for her in the words, Martha, Martha, and lets her know, Martha, I know exactly how you are feeling and what's going on in your life. And don't think it's any different today. He still loves his children and knows exactly our mental state and our emotional state as well as our physical circumstances as well. He's the same yesterday, today, and praise God forever. It doesn't change. Knows these things. And then he refuses to do what Martha demands of him. You can't really make demands of Jesus when you call him Lord, by the way. No, that's not the place of the disciple to command the teacher and the Lord. Instead, he makes Martha just think about all that's going on, what she's doing, and then critically, he affirms Mary's choice to set aside for a time all the preparations that needed to be made with a view to concentrating on the guest and what the guest is saying at that point. For Mary recognized the significance and the importance of the occasion, something which Martha sadly was missing. And that's really just a brief outline of the story. But the question is this. We're thinking about the bigger theme of discipleship today. So what does this teach us about Christian discipleship? And the answer is many things. Many things. And we don't have time to look at all of them. So three very quickly, very, very quickly, and they are these. Number one, there's a lesson here about hospitality. Hospitality. Verse 38, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. That'll be flashed up on the screen. There it is there. Welcomed him into her house. I rather like the quip of the late Archbishop Donald Coggan, who said this, hospitality is the art of making people feel at home when you wish they were at home. <laughs> but whatever else this story teaches... Do not discount the value and significance of this lesson of practicing hospitality. You'll find that this 
theme of hospitality is taught in both Old Testament and New Testament, and especially, especially in Luke's writings, namely the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. Hospitality is what disciples do. That's the point. It's what disciples do. Paul says this in Romans 12, 13 to the Roman believers, show hospitality to one another. The apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter 4 and 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. It's part of our stewardship of God's grace. It's an aspect of love. It's a means whereby we invite people not only into our homes, but we invite them into our hearts and share our lives with them. It's an act whereby we can share with them the love of Jesus Christ. And in the New Testament, it has important evangelistic implications. Hospitality set the early church alight. It helped to further the gospel. And we need to recognize that as well. Martha may not have got everything right that day, but she got this thing right. She invited Jesus into her home, recognizing that he needed, and the disciples, hospitality at that particular point. And we ought not to take that away from her. It's a very important lesson. The second lesson that we need to draw from this is this. It's a lesson about inclusivity. Inclusivity. So what are we talking about here? Well, throughout the time of Jesus' earthly ministry, we see him again and again breaking cultural norms and accepting people whom others disdained or even despised. People on the margins of society, the disadvantaged, the despised, the downtrodden, and so on. Jesus spent time with such people and enjoyed their company, and in doing so, elevated their status. And when you read Luke's gospel especially, you see that the gospel is full of this thing. And here we see it in the case of Mary, a woman. And look where she is. Look what she's doing. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to Jesus. She is occupying a place that was ordinarily a place for men. And that's striking in the story, and Luke's hearers would have picked up on that. Because in that culture, that sort of thing wasn't done. And there would have been those who, hearing it, that would have frowned on this thing. That this woman is sitting at the feet of Jesus as one of the disciples, imbibing his teaching. And whilst they might have frowned upon it, Jesus affirmed it. 
Look again, verse 39. Interesting words. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. What that is communicating to us is this. Mary took the initiative to sit at the feet of Jesus. That's what it means. She sat at the feet of Jesus. She initiated this act of sitting at the feet of Jesus. But the remarkable thing is this. Later in the story, we're told Jesus affirms it. He approves of it. She should be there listening to me and taking in my teaching. And it shows that without any ambiguity, how he valued her choice that day. And of course, as you go through the gospel, you'll find that women, that they fed Jesus, they financed Jesus, they followed him, and so on. And he welcomed them to listen to his teaching and to take it on board. It's this theme of inclusivity. We're not a closed club, as it were, but we welcome and embrace all to come and to hear the Word of God. So a lesson about hospitality, a lesson about inclusivity. Lastly, and probably the main lesson of the passage is this, a lesson about priorities. Lesson about priorities. Do you know that someone has said this, and I think it's very true, that activism is the special subject of evangelicals. Activism is the special subject of evangelicals. What does that mean? It means this. We love to be busy. We love to be active. We love to be always on the go. And of course, we live in a society today where we have crowded schedules, harassed conditions, and it's busy, busy, busy all the time. Many Christians find their significance and security from their work diaries. That person's so busy, they must be really important. They must be really important. And the busier I am, sometimes the more important I feel. And the sad thing is this, that often we equate busyness with spirituality. Spirituality. Martha was busy. She was engaged in something good, but as often the case, something good can very easily turn into something that's bad if we're not careful. And we all need to learn that our spiritual growth can be choked out by overactivity, no matter how well-intentioned that activity might be. 
And sad to say that Martha's busyness not only affected her life, but it was impacting others. And you can see that in how she addresses Jesus and in what she's thinking about her sister. It affects relationships. Relationships that we hold dear. People around us can be affected adversely by our busyness at times. Well, it's something that many of us, I know, can identify with. I certainly can. And it's easy to make the same mistake. But that's why the story's here. This is a trap that disciples can fall into, of being over busy, so much so that it draws us away, it pulls us away from what's most important, our time with the Lord and listening to his word. Martha's priorities were out of sync here. She didn't realize it, but she needed help. And Jesus lovingly was seeking to help her here. And of course, the story is left open in the hope that Martha would learn to be like Mary and put aside the preparation for a while and spend more time with Jesus, the honored guest in the house. After all, that's what hospitality is all about, honoring and enjoying the presence of your guests. As Christians, we need to think carefully about our priorities. So let me wind up then. Let me wind up then. This is a very familiar story to many Christians. But don't be put off by its size. It might be small, but it's very significant. And it's set within this block of storytelling in which Luke is seeking to communicate important truths about what it means to follow Jesus on the road of life. It means learning to practice hospitality. It means learning to reach out to others who often are on the fringes of society, to draw them in and to welcome them, to let them know what the Lord has to say to them. And it means avoiding the trap of being so busy that you're drawn away from the Lord and you're missing out on fellowshipping with Him. So I encourage you this morning just to take a moment and to think. The Lord's brought you here for a reason and has laid this message on my heart for a reason. Could it be that he's saying to you,
I want you to use your home more. I want you to reach out more to people who are on the margins, on the fringes, that are often overlooked. But I want you to spend more time with me. Have a look at your diary again. Say, Lord, is it so full that I'm in danger of missing out on fellowship with you and on what you want to say to me? Well, may the Lord bless his word to our hearts and give us wisdom to work these things out in our lives. Back to David.